Welcome to As the Dice Rolls, brought to you by Dice and a Pencil. I'm your host, Brian, and today I have Bill and Rick with me. How are you doing, guys? Hey, good to be here, Brian. Hey there, Brian. How are you doing? I am doing well. Uh, today, we will be discussing one of the more taboo subjects in Dungeons & Dragons and uh, OSE. Character death uh, in old school essential rules. Character death means a character or monster reduced to zero hit points or less is killed. Whereas in fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, if you drop to zero hit points, you were either fall unconscious or killed outright. If the number of remaining damage is equal or greater to the, than your hit point maximum after you fall to zero. If you fall unconscious, you are left to the fates by rolling death saves. So now that we understand what character death is in Dungeons and Dragons and different editions, Bill, have you ever experienced character death personally, um, either as a player or as a DM? Sure. A couple of times, actually. I've, I've been on both sides of, of that happening. Um, and I, I feel as though it is, uh, it's an extremely meaningful thing that happens. Uh, now, generally, you know this, that typically I will play fifth edition. And when a fifth edition character dies, it's really something. And I think it, it, it goes to the definitions that you just went through. It takes a lot of effort to try and kill a fifth edition character. They are quite resilient. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think that that portion of of why it's so difficult makes makes that uh, experience a lot a lot more meaningful in fifth edition. You know, we talked about this uh, a little bit earlier, but. In fifth edition, the players really care about their characters. They think about their backstories. They really lean into their personalities. There's a lot of meat in the characters in fifth edition. And so I think it's a lot more impactful when those fifth edition characters die. You know, on the other side of the coin, you know, in old school rules, you don't have a lot of that buy-in to your character. I mean, in some ways you might. And, and I think the the scaling of that buy-in increases the longer that character is around just because they're so squishy. But yeah, it's not as impactful when when somebody that is more or less, you know, has three hit points dies. It's not it's not that impactful, I think. Especially not at those early levels. Um, where survival is certainly not guaranteed. Uh, Rick, I know you're a player uh, for the most part. Uh, have you ever experienced character death? Thinking back on it, I only maybe once or twice have I had one of my characters die outright. Uh, um, and it, it is jarring because you do put a lot of effort into them. And the further you go along in the campaign, the harder it gets and the more attached you get. And I've definitely played old school essential rules and had several more characters died, even though the percentage of time played is probably something like, you know, one or 2% to 98, 99% in terms of the two editions, but I still had about equal characters die. <laughs> so I think I've come to expect um, the characters I play in old school will potentially meet uh, untimely ends much quicker. And I'm not sure that might shape like how I create the characters too, because I don't think I put 
as much thought into creating an old school character as I do for a fifth edition one where I expect to be playing it for maybe several months at a time, huh? I know that when we played older editions, not only, you know, together, but with other people, especially when you're talking about old school essential rules, the more basic of Dungeons and Dragons. For example, uh, when we played that game, Rick, at uh, at GaryCon, where, you know, we played OD&D, which is mm-hmm. not terribly different from the old school essential rules. I mean, character creation took a little bit of time for everybody, I think mainly because they were not so familiar. Uh, but yeah. I do believe that the hesitancy to rush into more dangerous situations was akin to fifth edition when you know, we had a choice of three walls. One was made of fire, one was made of lava, and one was made of smoke and all seemed to do actual damage to us. There was about 12 of us at the table as players uh, for one DM. And <laughs> I think only the least intelligent of our fighters, <laughs> tried, you know, really yeah. put their, their life at risk. So, you know, it's interesting how we equate, and I, I mean, I most certainly do as well, being starting out with fifth, fifth edition, equate the time being put in to building a character, which on fifth edition takes a much longer time, uh, especially when you're encouraged in that edition to come up with a backstory um, and, and something to really put emotion, you know, put your emotions into your character. But I think the hesitant hesitancy to die um, is still pretty level uh, across the fields. Do you think that that's a reason why the most modern rule set is beginning we're seeing a shift in the dynamic of players not dying the most recent box set come out that's come out for fifth edition actively tries to tell a new dm to not have a tpk and gives them tips on how not to kill their characters so what i want to point out uh, what i want to put out to you both is do you think that death is important in a role-playing game such as Dungeons and Dragons? So I wouldn't say death specifically, but stakes. I think stakes is a much more important thing because death is, is in a way, it is a portion of those stakes, right? So if you know for a fact that you have plot armor, that you're not ever going to die, then then it removes a lot of the urgency or the stress from from the game. And of course, there are some players that are going to want to play a stressless romp through a fantasy land, and that's fine. Um, But on the other side of the coin, for the players that do come here for for a a sense of, uh, of connection to their character, that they want to feel that danger, and they want to succeed over that danger and and feel uh, victorious. You know, you need to have the lows and the highs in order to get that that victory at the end. So uh, I don't necessarily think that death itself is is necessity, but you do need to feel like there is some something at at stake in in the game that you're playing. So, for example, you, you know, thinking about the the 5e rules as it relates to death it can be a tool so for example in a game that i recently dm'd 
I knew for a fact that these squishy level four characters were going to uh, need to have a an impetus to get them to go on the this quest. And I specifically chose uh, a a monster that was going to kill one of them. It was basically inevitable. But I also knew that there were healers that could, once the player goes down, you lift them up. And so when I took out four, four D8s to basically crush this one character, they got very, very stressed out, I will say. But then, of course, the very next turn, the, the cleric lifted the, the character and it was perfectly fine. And this monster basically was like, I don't have time for this. You're, you're puny weaklings and then just left. Um, but but the, the fear and the stress and the anxiety that that produced will eventually pay off later when they kill this guy. So I think that, that that creates a narrative element where you can achieve that victory because of the stakes provided at, at the fact that this person died or quote unquote died. Yeah, I agree with Bill because in a combat scenario where you can't die, there are no stakes. The combat all is just kind of, you know, how long will it take at that point? If there's no, if, if you can't lose, you're just kind of playing to see how long you can make the, the combat continue on so i think you need something and like some sort of stakes to to give players an urgency to think okay how am i going to beat this and i think having um like player death be a part of the combat uh, you also have to think creatively to avoid it Uh, like if you have nothing to your detriment you can just stand in front of a monster and whack it with a sword until it keels over but then there's no calculation of, uh, do I need to run? Do I need to disengage? Do I need to find a better angle? Do I need to coordinate with one of my other players to try and flank it? Um, are there complementary spells that two people could cast? So I think when, when there's real stakes on the table, you have to be inventive about how you approach things. And I think having player death as being part of the combat really helps you like creatively figure out the problem solving of, getting past a villain yeah rick that's a really good point also i think that that you brought up that it's not it's not you and the dm there are other people at the table and it is one of the most uh satisfying things not not only for a a dm but also for a player is when when everybody is working together towards one specific goal and you are able to to think creatively with each of your different specialties that one person is the rogue. And so there's a role for that person and one person is the tank. And so like those, those different competing, uh, but complementary priorities of the group is, is really satisfying when it works. Right. Yeah. And if you're a wizard, you can't just like walk in and be like, I fireball the room because you've got people around there with you. So you've got to like strategically play Like, is my spell a cone effect, a radius effect to know that your other players, like, am I going to do friendly fire damage to one of my players if they're just standing in front of this guy? So I think you will have to do, you have to plan around the combat to really find like a creative solution to a lot of enemies, especially if the DM throws you into like an oddly shaped room or there's different conditions there. So we've talked about death as it results to combat. What about how death influences character development? The character's remaining who now who have built up a rapport with that with that character uh and 
maybe rely on that character's class to influence some of those, you know, complementary spells that you were talking about just before, Rick. Because when a character dies, that doesn't necessarily mean that that same class of character will return. So I kind of prefer when it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) How do you guys? I'm a big fan of like, and my brother appeared who happened to have also undergone the same training at the same place as me and shared essentially 95% of my backstory. I kind of prefer (laughs) when it's just like, and you find a totally new person. But that's something is to, to consider in this discussion is, you know, how character death affects the other player, the other characters. Yeah. Because, um, you know, a lot of those moments can be special, even in death. Bill, what do you, you know, as a DM, how does that affect how you prepare? Because you can't, your job as a DM is to prepare an environment with problems for the players to solve whether it be role-playing or combat or traps um how does character death go how does character death affect how you plan a session well typically it's not something that you prepare for um although it is so sort of always in the back of your head. So I'm specifically thinking about the time when I had you all go through the desert. And this was a, a, to your point, I had prepared a set of random encounters that were all pretty much, you know, varying in their, in their degrees of dangerousness, but there were also parameters that, that you, you had to choose. And so you could choose to push and go faster, but you would suffer exhaustion. You could choose to, to go slow and risk additional uh, random encounter rolls. There's, there's choices that you all could make and, and, to be honest with you, once I set up those parameters, I didn't do a whole lot of preparation. I allowed you to interact with those parameters and decide for yourselves how much risk you were willing to take. And probably one of my favorite moments of that portion of that campaign was when you had pushed yourselves very, very hard and had a couple of points of exhaustion and had finally decided to rest for the evening. And then you had rolled the uh, the random encounter a little bit earlier, and I was saving it for for exactly this minute. And you you took a rest on top of where a a, a giant purple worm was going to come out, and you could feel sort of the rumbling happening. And and then my one of my favorite moments was when uh, eighty oh eight, who was one of the characters in this in this campaign tried to get away from this thing by by zipping up into the air but you know the rules are what the rules are and you had those those points of exhaustion that that made the rules with disadvantage and so it i think i thought that was a very fair character death because the choices that you all had made led to the poor roles that were then uh, a a major contributor to that character's death and boom the worm ate him. And, and so here we are. <laughs> and going off that point, speaking of that particular situation, because Rick, I know that you have knowledge since you also played in that yeah. game. In that situation, we, we did have a character who had a chance to go back and save 808, but made a, made a, cho- a character choice to flee himself 
when Varkon decided not to go back and help 808 <laughs> and left that left it to the dice rolls, which is a fair character choice. But it did leave the other characters to kind of pick up the pieces once we did escape, you know. Arth, I, I know my particular, I was playing a paladin, I'm playing a paladin, so my particular thoughts towards the sorcerer of Arkhan was significantly changed. The trust was lost. Um, from your perspective as the player, Rick, how did you feel about the character death and how did that influence your character's future decision-making? Now, I, I do remember what you're talking about and it was a really fun scene to play through. And I remember like sitting there being like, what can I do to help? And like scrolling through my my head, like at 2x speed, two times to be like, what do I have that I could try to make work? And there, there just wasn't anything. <laughs> like, and it, it definitely hurt to see the character die in that moment. And it did shape like later on um, talks between the characters. But it also felt like a fitting and it didn't feel like it was a like a cheap death. So it it did work in terms of like all the play for the, the previous play of the last hour or two really just led up to that point. Uh, and it was almost like there was a crescendo coming and that was it. Uh, and it would have been great if, you know, the player had escaped from that somehow. But the odds were stacked in against all of us and it just happened to be one of us that died um i i do understand what you're saying because there is a trust element like your characters need to have some trust in each other they're going to back each other up and if one character i mean they could be a legitimate reason like your character could have story reasons for being like no i need to survive and get past this but then you also have to think of like if my character is in that position like who do i call for next and like maybe that impacts which character you'd help in another scenario. Like if two people are being attacked and you don't come to one of their aids, you might go to a different character that you think is going to back you up next time. Huh? Agreed. We are going to take a short break for our monster moment, but when we return, we are going to, dis- we are going to be discussing what causes character death. Welcome to the Monster Moment, brought to you by Dice and a Pencil. Today, we will be discussing gelatinous cubes. A 10-foot cube of transparent jelly, gelatinous cubes move through dungeons collecting all living creatures, items, and other debris in their path. A four-hit dice-starred monster, gelatinous cubes surprise on a roll of one through four due to the fact that they are nearly invisible. If touched, a character takes 2d4 damage and must save versus paralysis, or be paralyzed for 2d4 turns. If absorbed, a character takes 2d4 damage every turn in the cube until death. Resilient, gelatinous cubes have energy immunity and are unharmed by cold or lightning damage. Although a formidable foe, gelatinous cubes carry around indigestibles, such as gems, coins, and possibly magical items. This has been your Monster Moment. And remember, when playing TTRPGs, all you need is dice and a pencil.
And welcome back. Let's talk quickly about what causes character death. Uh, earlier, we discussed uh, poor decision making, poor roles, and lack of help from other PCs. Um, I also just wanted to talk quickly about what causes character death on the DMing side. There is accidental character death from miscalculated encounter design or dungeon design uh, or traps that are too hard for a player's and their level. There is poor DMing where a DM just takes it upon himself or herself to go after the players. And there is the story mechanic use of death. As a mm -hmm. player, is there one form of character death that bothers you more? Or does character uh, death in general kind of get under your skin? I don't I don't think there's one form or another that would bother me anymore. I think because as a player, I kind of feel like a lot of it's out of my control. Um, maybe that's because I don't tend to make so such poor decisions that would that I think are gonna result in death. I think the thing that would frustrate me most would just be poor rolls because I know that I'm like rolling the dice myself, being like, oh no, that's awful. But I don't think I think DMs are pretty good at kind of adjusting on the fly in their encounters or in their dungeons. I you know I've never been behind the screen to like be in their head to know what they're doing, but I have always had a high degree of trust that there is a plan and that the encounters were well-structured. So I don't think anyone like really bothers me more than another, but I do think, I mean, there is a place for it in the game at large. Bill, as a DM, is there a sense of frustration you get more so from a player causing the death of their character? or from a DM causing a death of a character, whether it be accidental or story-driven? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I think from the DM perspective, and, and it matters based upon what, what side of the table I'm sitting on. So from a DM perspective, if the player makes choices that then end up killing that player, I think it is perfectly fine. And, and I actually think that that is instructive. You know, we were talking a little bit about this before, but when, when there are certain stressors that the players choose to put upon themselves that ultimately result in one of the character's deaths, I think that is, that is actually really good DMing and really good gaming. Um, on the other side of the coin, if I accidentally kill a player, that makes me feel very uncomfortable and i believe it's happened once or twice in my dming career and and i i wring my hands over it for weeks afterwards but but you know i, I think that's instructive as well you know the dm should never be on a mission to to crush the players that's just not fun gaming and and if if I, as the DM, have as many tools in my toolkit as I possibly can, I can just throw Tarasks at everybody and ha-ha, I won. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not fun. Um, but from the player side of the perspective, I think if the, if the uh, DM has decided that it is time for my character to die, 
And without any input on my end, I think that's extremely frustrating, um, especially in a, in a game where, where with 5e, where you, you do have some resources as it relates to uh, the death saves and healing and all those sorts of things. There are a lot of different things that can save you. And if the DM has decided it's your time, that's, that's kind of not fun. Um, you think but, you would talk to the player first about that? Like, how do you even approach a player to say, like, like if, is your PC, like, problematic to the storytelling? Or is it, like, it's game-breaking to the encounters? Like, could you would you talk to them to say, like, maybe you should pick different spells because this is kind of, like, ruining the vibe of what's happening in the party? Like, what do you think would lead a DM to be like, I've got to off this character for whatever reason, I think you're right. You probably have a situation where there is something wrong with either the character or the player. And there there's just, this is the best way. Uh, but to your point, you would probably have to talk to the player ahead of time. Um, and the other side of things, I do think from a narrative perspective, I, I have had players come to me and say, this is what I would like to do over the next five or six sessions, ultimately leading up to the death of my character, because because it is, you know, narratively salient, I think. And I, I think, you know, again, that doesn't really originate with the DM, that originates with the players. So I think that if the DM is is kind of indiscriminately offing characters, that's that's a bit of a problem. Yeah. I mean, there is there are gratifying story elements to like a good death. <laughs> I mean, in you know, novels, TV shows, whatever, I mean like there are just elements that like, wow, like that really just caps off the story for a player or brings them like full circle. Like a Tony Stark, for example, like there's something just poetically beautiful about like that character's evolution all the way to the end. Uh, I very much felt that when my wizard used the staff of power to try to kill the black dragon and I missed both of my yes. saves and it bit the big one um uh, we were level 10 though i think i was i was a little sad about that but you're right yeah. i mean it was a very poetic way for him to go out um and i i think that situation was a great example of how the dm lays out the situations and provides different elements to let characters come to their own conclusions about their own life and you know because the dm provided the opportunity to for me to receive the staff of power and then i chose in a certain moment to use it in a certain way and while it did kill the black dragon and saved the rest of the party it came at great personal sacrifice and i also felt like in that moment that that was the only play that i could have done because I, of the I remember way the what battle you're talking was about and if i recall correctly like the character in his own head had like almost a selfish way of thinking about what was happening and how they were going to use the staff. No one else actually knew that. So we just saw this player, like, like the perception was they sacrificed themselves to save the rest of us when really they were used doing something that could have like was done for self gain. But after they were gone, I mean, you're only remembered as the hero. <laughs> no one knows what would have happened. Like, had you made it out and then been like, peace, guys, I'm out of this situation. It's a totally different story. But like having used the staff power, 
it accidentally also kills you. The rest of us were like, wow, like, what a good guy. Like, and I mean, I think there might have been some like, oh, like, was he trying to like go off and do his own thing? Or was he using us in some way for his own end? But we never got that far. And now, and then I think it shaped the rest of the campaign, at least for my character. I remember my character, like, your character being like a father figure to mine and mine like greatly looking up to him. So it kind of changed how like I thought about that character and like how I interacted with other characters who would retrospectively think about actions that character might've taken. And I think that's a great example of character development through character death. Um, And it's something that I feel really shouldn't be lost as we enter a new age of Dungeons and Dragons, potentially a new edition with calls for, you know, character death to be avoided. You know, I think that these are important examples of why we must remember, you know, you have hit points in this game for a reason. A final topic I'd like to discuss is death saves. So at the top of the program, we talked about the different styles of death in different TTRPGs where old school essentials is as soon as you hit zero, your character is dead. Where in fifth edition, if you drop below, if you drop to zero and it's not above, you know, the negative damage does not go above your maximum hit points, you get to roll death saving throws. What are your thoughts on death saving throws? Do you like them? Do you think they're appropriate for the game? Or would you rather have your player die when they hit zero? I love them. Like, I mean, the dramatic tension of when you're rolling death saves, I mean, it is amazing. And the stakes keep getting higher, like, once you have those two failures, and you're just like, oh, what is going to happen? <laughs> so the more the better. I mean, if you can go all the way to five death saves, <laughs> I, I love it. I have a bit of an opposite view. I do think that the the narrative portion of it is really powerful, and there is tension involved in that. But... It is, it is almost a catch-all kind of way for players to keep their characters around. And you don't necessarily get terribly punished for bad decisions. So, for example, you know, I, I don't think I've ever insta-killed a character as a DM. Uh, maybe once, but I don't think so. Um, and so every time that a character has gotten into death saves, it is you know, it is statistically likely that they will end up coming up. And that to me, as we were talking about before, is is a bit of uh, a removal of those stakes. Because not only do you have a statistical advantage in, in coming up, but you also have the opportunity to basically be in stasis for a bit while you, the, the party healer comes and, and gets you up. And you could just play this up and down game as long as they still have uh, spell slots. So uh, from, from my perspective, I, I don't really love it from a DMing perspective um, because I kind of feel like it's it cheapens the, the, the death a little bit. But that said, I, I do like it from a story perspective because or a tension perspective because I think you're right. That is a lot of fun to watch a role happen and then everybody at the table seeing the one on there just like throws up their hands and you know yeah. so I, I think i think that's that is a fun part of it for sure when do you think it's right for the dm to just like kick a player when they're down because i mean like as a dm you could just be like hey i just 
I swing a sword at you. Like that's one more death save right off the top that you lose. So the DM has some ability to interact with it. It almost feels taboo to do that. And like, you know, I think everyone maybe like groans a little bit like, hey, you're, you know, not being fair. But I mean, like that is totally within the DM's power just to say like, and it almost makes sense from a, from an encounter perspective. Like it's not like, okay, I'm just going to ignore this unconscious person now. Like you're probably going to double tap them (laughs) and just make sure they're down. I think the only time that that makes sense from a DM perspective is when there is no other option for that monster. Um, So, you know, I think to your point about it being taboo, I definitely feel like that. It, it, It feels cruel as a DM just to be like, I know there are four other people here trying to attack me, but I'm going to focus on this one and just make sure they're dead. Um, but yeah, but I, I think if, for example, there is a scout that goes ahead and gets in trouble, trips on something, makes themselves known, and then they get into combat. Meanwhile, the rest of the crew is still running. I think that that makes sense, you know, but the other thing about it is the environmental aspects. Uh, so for example, if, I don't know, there is some environment effect that uh, that creates damage, whether there's somebody cast a storm or somebody casts a spell that that does create uh, like overtime damage. I feel like that is that's fair game. Yeah, there should be no double dipping, in, in my opinion, because it is taboo. In my opinion, double tapping as a DM is very much taboo because you're taking that death save ability away or you're minimizing it so now you only have one death save you know and that i just think that character death in fifth edition is such an emotional thing because of how much goes into creating a character that you better have a damn good reason story story wise to double tap a character that's just my personal view on it um, yeah, agree. Again, yeah, I, no, I, I I agree. I mean, I think it's I'm all for just being able to off a character. I mean, if it's bad roles or if it's story driven, I mean, either way, I'd be okay with letting a letting a character go gently into the night. So <laughs> well, kind of gently in this case. No, I, I actually just thought of another reason why double tapping might make sense in very very specific situations where the enemy that you're fighting has a personal vendetta against your character yeah. and is is motivationally uh and is and is purposefully motivated by killing you and making sure that you're dead i think that is another sort of acceptable caveat for double tapping that i agree upon if there is like a rival situation that has been established through story and you come to the, you know, face-to-face shootout and, you know, your character doesn't make the roles, then I absolutely think that double tapping would be appropriate there. Um, Because that just makes sense. Um, So just to put you guys on the spot, though, as kind of to sum everything up, Rick, character death in TTRPGs, Thumbs up or thumbs down? I'm I'm a thumbs up on this. Bill, thumbs up or thumbs down on character death in Dungeons and Dragons? 
big, big thumbs up. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys volunteering your time to talk to me today. Remember, when playing TTRPGs, all you need is dice and a pencil. <laughs>